0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: There, there comes a time and a place where you have to rip some tails, honestly, and that's what that's what we did. But I wanted our players and to understand the reason we did that, why we did that. I wanted them to know it, it's never personal, and and the guys get it. Uh, talking to the captains, they they want some of that to make sure that guys are conscientious to do their jobs better and more precisely. And I, I don't, I, I still feel like that's what we're missing a little bit is just the guys caring enough to do their job perfect on Saturdays and practice all the time. Because it's close, but we, we can't do those little things and, and shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not a good enough team. Right now. Well, yeah, it was a message that, that needed to be said. I think our team uh, needed to hear it.
2: Um, and it's something that we're, we're working to change. You know, I think as, as a leader as of the team, I, I took it personally. You know, it's, it's something I need to, to help put into action. And here we are, another edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as you heard from Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. And we, we'll see Adrian Martinez back on the field, by the way, uh, starting a quarterback here for Saturday's game at Purdue. But uh, let's get kind of to the theme of the week, guys. Um, kind of a culture-shaping, rebuilding the the mindset, the toughness week. Um, it started in the postgame. Nebraska lost another disappointing game uh, to Indiana on Saturday. And, just had some critical mental breakdowns that have plagued this team, whether it was on offense, defense, or special teams. And you heard Scott Frost in the post game Saturday, um, you know, mention that and talk about it. Then on Monday they had um, kind of a players meeting uh, with Coach Frost, where you know he lit into the team after that game as much as he's ever done. And you know, with today's generation of kids, they're not used to getting yelled at by adults like a, like maybe like our generation or older generations. Um. So he just, you know, let the guys know, hey, this is why I'm that way. I felt it was time to do that, and I think the players respected him for that. But then let's fast forward to the practice week. Nebraska goes outside. It's freezing, bitter cold weather. I wouldn't say bitter, but very cold weather. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, snow coming down, wind. It's wet surfaces because of that, and they practiced outdoors both days. I mean, Robin, I looked at it as, you know what, we're going we're gonna to send a message. We're going to find out who really wants to play football here because these are the kind of days when you go outside to practice, you got to want to be here, um, especially when the wind's howling and it's snowing and you're slipping and your feet are cold, your hands are cold. Um, and it was interesting to kind of see that approach all week.
3: Yeah. You got to wonder why they didn't do it before Minnesota when they knew it was going to be cold up there and then practice inside all week, but better late than never. Um, I think they're at a point now where they're just running out of stuff to try. I mean, they tried the nice guy routine. They tried, uh, shaking things up, um, you know, with, with depth chart or you know maybe moving some guys around with playing time uh, but now to the point where Scott Frost does exactly what he doesn't want to do and that's being the the yell mean coach I mean that's not his philosophy at all I mean he's kind of a, a Tom Osborne guy where he doesn't need to be a yeller to get his point across but it got to the point after that Indiana game where I don't think he felt he had any other choice I mean he had to try something new to try and get through to this team uh, to try and flip a switch because uh, they've done about every possible tactic you can think of and nothing has worked. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, I'm kind of at the point now where it doesn't matter what they say and do during the week of practice uh, until it translates on game day. It uh, doesn't mean much. So hopefully uh, the, whatever they've done this week does the trick uh, and they play like the team we all expected they'd be going into the year. Well, I feel like it's one of those deals where – if you
4: never get yelled at, you and all of a sudden you get yelled at, it, it'll kind of rattle your cage a little bit. Uh, same thing is if you always get yelled at all the time, if you're getting dog cussed every single practice, you kind of grow tone deaf to it. And, and so when you get yelled at, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. So I I feel like he, he did want to rattle some cages, but I also kind of want to let him know where he's coming from. and um i mean no one's more competitive than coach frost in this deal and and when they lose i I feel like he takes it as personal and and it cuts them as as deep as anybody and um and, and i think they're definitely you know because of that they're they're rattling some cages this week practicing outside i don't remember the last time nebraska not just under frost but under past several coaches i don't remember the last time they practiced outside this this often
3: well, now it should be noted too they want to practice on the grass fields cuz the yeah, natural the grass surface at Purdue. So I think that was probably the plan to begin with, but uh, I'm sure they're doing it more so, uh, you know, than maybe they normally would, uh, just to set that that mental toughness well, approach.
2: And there was the thought I think in the past, you know, we have the indoor facility, let's not let the weather affect our practice and let's get all of our reps in as quality reps and stay out of the elements for that reason. Well, this is a complete different approach. I mean, they're like, you know what? We want you to to try to execute as well as you can in these conditions, and we'll find out how mentally strong you are. And You saw some guys not, not wearing sleeves, and they, they looked pretty miserable you know, when they were out there, and a lot of guys were wearing sleeves. I know he mentioned you know, there were a lot of guys at the Minnesota warm-ups that came out in hoodies. Um there will be a full hoodie watch, Robin, during warm ups at West Lafayette. I mean,
3: <laughs> we'll see who who got the message and who didn't. But uh, you know what's funny though is just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, you know, Frost was saying that playing in cold weather is just a mindset that, you know, you don't need to do all these dipping balls and ice buckets like PJ Fleck was point, doing and Robin. all this stuff. And now all of a sudden they're trying to say that you need to be out there to have that mentality. I don't know. I mean, I think that they're just, like I said, they're trying anything and everything to get through to these guys. It is. That's we'll a great point works. you make there, right?
4: I think this is all – we're witnessing the staff grow and learn just just as much as the players and everybody else. I think this is all just part of going through the Big Ten and, and kind of learning what works and what doesn't work. And, and I think they – they did probably think, you know what? It's just a mentality. And you know, we don't need to be, you know, freezing our hands off and, and doing all these extra things uh, to go play in Minnesota, and then they got their butts whipped up there. And so now they probably figured out, you know what? Maybe maybe we do need to work on some of that stuff.
2: Well, and I think last year November, if anything, October, late October November showed the staff like what they could be dealing with every year in Nebraska and. It was the worst winter, obviously, in in Lincoln's history as far as snowfall goes. The two coldest home games in 25 years took place in Memorial Stadium against Michigan State and Illinois, um, which obviously hampered what they did offensively, especially in the Michigan State game, not the Illinois game. That They were able to move the ball on that cold day still. Um, But I I think knowing what November brought last year, they're like, we're not going to be caught off guard by that this year.
3: Yeah. And you know, it's frustrating that it took them to actually like experience it to prepare accordingly for big 10 weather as if, but you
2: don't know until, you know, I
3: guess, I mean, (laughs) you gotta understand though, that it's going to be Arctic temperatures and snow and rain. I mean, that's part of what makes the big 10. The big 10 is it's a grinded out physical league, kind of out of necessity because you can't do the flashy stuff you can do in Florida and California uh, because the weather won't allow it. But like you said, Nate, uh, I mean, this is a learning process for these coaching staff, too. I mean, they're they're kind of cutting their teeth a little bit right now, just as much as the players are, and hopefully, you know, as they continue to grow, uh, that preparation will adjust accordingly, and they'll be much more um, prepared uh, for whatever elements they might have to face. Well, we we all know that coaches are some of the most stubborn people yes. on the
4: face of the, the earth, and they believe in what they believe in and what they do and, and everything, you know, they... They, it, it'll, be, it'll work no matter what. And we, we have a way of doing it, and it's going to work. And I think sometimes you do figure out, you know what? We've got to tweak some things. Uh, what we do works, but we're going to have to adjust on the fly sometimes. And, and I think this is just part of that.
2: Well, Nebraska will travel to Purdue. It's a 11 a.m. kick, local or a central time, 12 local out in West Lafayette. Lots of um, things around this Purdue game that make it look favorable for Nebraska. They're two and six. Um, But they're missing their quarterback, Isaiah Sindelar, um, or Elijah Sindelar, excuse me. And then, you know, their two best defensive players, Marcus Bailey and Lorenzo Neal, out for the season. Rondell Moore, um, you know, has been out for four games with a hamstring. So lots on paper that we're going to talk about here going into this matchup. Uh, with Purdue it's a Fox big noon kickoff it's not really the we don't get Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt uh, I think those guys are going to be at the Washington Utah game um, but we do get the big noon stage um, as Fox calls it but it's it's going to be uh, Tim Brando on the call uh, out there as, as we get ready but we'll talk about Adrian Martinez next as he'll make his first start since Northwestern we'll break that down and more you're listening here to Huskar Line Show
0: you're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I'm not happy about
4: sitting out and, 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 you know, being hurt, but, you know, I think it's, you know, there's something to gain from it. You know, it's allowed my body to recover. It's allowed me to recover, you know, and I'm back ready to go. You know, I feel like my arm's juiced up and everything's recuperated. I'm, I'm ready to be back and, and uh, you know, fired up. So you
2: expect to start this game? Yeah, you know, I, I feel physically ready and, and expect to go. And you heard it right there. Adrian Martinez expects to be the guy, and he talked to reporters for the first time in about a month. Um, I thought that was kind of a telling sign immediately, Robin, when um, they brought Adrian Martinez up to the reporters, because if you know the the previous weeks there'd been, oh, he's a game time decision. They never would rule him out, but in this case, you know, he talked, and he hadn't he hadn't talked in, in any of the games before this.
3: Yeah, that's usually a pretty good indicator. Um, you know, obviously. A couple of weeks ago, what was it, leading up to Minnesota, they brought up Noah Vedral to the press conference. And so uh, that kind of was a, a pretty good hat tip as to you know, what uh, what to expect for that week. But uh, Adrian seems all in. I mean, he's, he's ready to roll. He's been in full pads from what we've seen. And you can even take it a step further and read between the lines of the coaching staff. Troy Walters, Mario Verduzco uh, both says that you know he looks ready to go finally. And uh, Verduzco, interestingly, said uh, he could have played against um, – uh, my blanket, Indiana, if he needed to, but they just didn't feel he was quite ready to protect himself from further injury. Like he just wasn't quite there yet. So uh, I think now they finally feel comfortable with putting him out there and not risking any uh, any further setback.
2: This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with four locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's. They'll have the Husker game on here uh, noon. Uh, it's a noon or 11 a.m. kickoff, so uh, they'll be open early. Uh, get in there, watch the the game for Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska basketball is on TV as well. Tuesday, the uh, the official season opener for Fred Hoiberg, eight o'clock tip off. So, uh, get on into any of those Tanner's locations uh, to catch all the sports action this weekend. And Nate, what were you going to add here on Adrian Martinez?
4: Well, I was just going to say that he was he was healthy enough uh, to play. And, and I know Mario Verduzco basically said it was eating him alive to to know that, um, you know, that he could have been out on the football field, but he wasn't. And, uh, you know, he's just so competitive. And I think that, um, you know, this whole time he's been somebody who has been very engaged But at the same time, it has really been eating him up that that he hasn't been able to be out there with his teammates. And and now that if he does go, which we expect him to to go this weekend, I think it will be a huge boost to this team, Uh, especially if he's kind of more back to his old Adrian, uh, what we kind of more of what we saw last year. Uh, So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to to seeing is just what kind of Adrian we're going to get to see this weekend.
2: With that said, you know, there's a lot of talk – on our site, especially on our weekly chats and questions, what position has truly gotten better year over year um, under Scott Frost? And I think it's no doubt quarterback. I mean, oh, yeah. you, no question. You, you go back and, and you, you look, when has there ever been a time that you remember any team that could go three deep and, and run up yards and numbers like Nebraska? I mean, that was really impressive. Noah Vedrill. You know, he comes out, and, and he's a point guard as well, and, and he just runs that offense like a point guard. I mean, he gets the ball out quick. He throws it to the open guys. He makes the right reads. He commands the huddle. um And then Luke McCaffrey. I mean, how is this kid just a freshman? I, know. I mean, when he's at the podium, um there's you can just sense there's two different Luke McCaffreys, the podium Luke McCaffrey and then the jokester that they talk about behind the scenes because – that kid does not buckle or crack. I think he's
3: watched a few family members go through some uh, interview sessions. Yeah, that, that kid's been through it before. He knows the drill. Uh, but what impresses me the most is the way he's proven uh, wrong. A lot of the uh, offseason talk about him not being a true quarterback and them needing to devise packages to play him and if he's going to move positions and all that stuff. That kid is a quarterback through and through. Some of the throws he made uh, in that Indiana game, I mean, those were darn good throws, especially for a true freshman playing in his first extensive college action. Uh, so, I mean, I think the future is very bright with him and Nebraska. I mean, just go back if, if they would have had this quarterback depth last year, how much does that change? I mean, think about it. Think if they had Noah Vedral able to play right away. Think if they had a freshman like Luke McCaffrey in that quarterback stat quarterback room. So, uh, it's a, you know one of those things where if you could have had that group last year, um, you know, could have been looking at a much different season. Yeah, you, you take a, an outsider in
4: and, and have him. Watch 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 the game and take the Jersey numbers off. And you wouldn't be able to tell that Luke McCaffrey was a true freshman seeing his first time out there really. And, um, you know, I was, I thought that was really impressive just the way that he kind of handles himself. Um, I mean, like you said, you, you can tell that he's kind of, he's been through it. He's seen it. Um, and, and kind of, Uh, you know, you know, been through uh, that, that watched that, you know, maturing and everything with, uh, with football. And it was interesting to see Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, tweet when he, when he threw that touchdown pass that, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, that adds a lot to uh, the whole intrigue of everything, but that whole room is just, uh, is pretty incredible. And then you're going to be adding Logan Smothers into the mix here in January. So um, you know, and Mario Verduzco talked about just the culture in that room. You know, you, you have so many good players there, uh, whereas some schools barely have two guys because players are transferring all the time. But the culture in that room is so good that um, you know I think that we're going to see that that room be pretty talented for a long time to come.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk quarterbacks here for Nebraska. Let's move over now to wide receiver. I'm sorry, running back. Some um, Robinson. He's a wide receiver and a running back. Um, but of all the bright spots this season, to me, I mean, if you were to give out an MVP of the offense, and, and, and I use the term MVP loosely because, you know, there are, I mean, when you talk about a four and four team right now, um, you know, it, it, but Wandell Robinson, um, we're watching this kid grow. And, and the amount of respect he's earned and gained, um, I mean, he, he's almost become a captain of this team uh, because of Adrian Martinez on offense, not being able to play for four weeks, Matt Farniak has struggled. You know, he's he's still gone up there and talked. But I wrote this in my story this week. Wandell Robinson has spoken more at the podium. You know, the you know, he's the only person that's spoken at the podium as a player after the Indiana game and before the Purdue game. No other player did that. So that tells you kind of where he's at right now in this whole thing. And he's only been on campus for eight games.
3: Yeah, keep in mind, he was also the guy that Frost hand-picked to be right alongside him and Bill Moose for the unveiling of the new uh, facility. So, I mean – Uh, Nebraska is kind of not afraid to put him out there as one of, if not the face of the program right now. And obviously Adrian is included in that, but Adrian's not playing. And Wandale is, and Wandale is the one bright spot on this offense week in, week out. It's Nate and I were talking about this uh, during that Indiana game was uh, when was the last time a, a recruit with that high of national profile came to Nebraska and lived up to the expectations the way Wandale has and, It's been few and far between. Maybe, Nate, you can touch on it a little bit more, but 28 touches as a true freshman. It wasn't just touches. He was getting knocked around. For a little guy like that, yeah, he's stout, but, man, he was getting hit. And every time he got hit, he would get up and brush himself off and get back ready to go. And just to have that production, that playmaking ability... And that reliability is such a valuable asset to this offense. And uh, Wandale has been everything fans and this coaching staff could have possibly wanted him to be.
4: And he's been that essentially from from day one. You know, he's been able to come in and learn two positions as a true freshman and perform at a high level at both of them from day one. And I don't re- I don't remember um, really the last time we've seen somebody be able to do that. That was borderline five star type of talent that's come in and lived up to it from, you know, right away. And as far as him talking, um, you know, that's one thing that always struck me talking with him as a recruit is that he's very mature, it always seemed to kind of get the big picture of things. And, and I think a lot of times for younger guys, that's kind of hard to do. Uh, but he always seemed to do that. Adrian was another guy talking with him. I mean, it, it would always blow me away every time I talked with him as a recruit, just because you'd get off the phone with him and be, be like, well, geez, was that a, was that a 17, 18-year-old kid or was that, you know, a, a 28, 30-year-old uh, adult that was that was talking there? But um, he can speak and his words carry a lot of weight because he's backing it up. You, how many players on this team have been talking a lot, but ha- their play really hasn't been backing it up? Uh, you know, when the words are kind of hollow, but not with Wandel Robinson. And, and I think that's, uh, uh, you know, just one more layer to this deal that, that makes him so special.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Meanwhile, the defense guys, we're going to talk more about that as it's been a rough go for them. Uh, First, it was struggles on the ground. Last week against Indiana, it was through the air. You have to expect we're going to see um, Purdue go at them through the air as well. So we'll give some thoughts on the defense and where they're at next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
4: Here's what i tell you, I love football, I love Nebraska, and I love these kids. And I'm gonna coach them as hard as I freaking can for as long as I'm here, and I hope that's for a really, really long time. And this program's gonna be really, really good. We have to find a way to get it better. There's no such thing as a quick fix. I know everybody wants it, I want it, the players want it. That's not realistic. We have to build this program to where Coach Frost wants it. If that happens for the next four games, great. If that happens next year, that's probably not good enough for everybody, but we're going to keep pushing until we do it. So there's not one person in this building that doesn't love Nebraska.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Eric Shenander feeling kind of the teeth of the Nebraska fan base, probably more so than ever this week. And, you know, you were a part of that interview session, Robin, as um, you, you heard Coach Shenander there. And, you know, you hate to say it, but he's feeling some – I mean, I think it's it's obvious he's feeling a little pressure and a little stress. Um, the way Nebraska's defense played. Because, honestly, if they just get a couple more, two, three, third down more stops in that game, Nebraska might have won on Saturday.
3: Well, they definitely would have won it, and he said as much. He said that looking back on that game, the the one thing that stood out to him the most was Nebraska's inability to just get off the field, and not only get off the field on third down, but on third and long. Uh, the number of third and five and longer uh, that Indiana was able to convert and keep drives alive that ended up resulting in touchdowns uh, was ridiculous and Janander knows as much and yeah if they get one or two more stops they win the game uh, and I don't think there's any question about it especially with as well as the offense played I mean finally after weeks of just offensive ineptitude they finally get something going and put up some points and then the defense has maybe one of its worst overall performances next to Ohio State of the season and so I mean it was frustrating and You know, I think the staff, especially Eric Janander's, learning that you can try all you want to block it out, not get on Twitter, uh, you know, social media or message boards or any of that stuff, but you can't avoid it. You are in the fishbowl of Nebraska football, and right now, uh, the target is on Eric Janander's chest right now uh, because that defense. You know, they, they've got a lot of issues to address and, you know, some of the same mistakes, whether it be guessing wrong on plays and completely taking yourself away from the football or missing on blitzes or coverage breakdowns or whatever it may be, they continue to happen without really any sign of uh, fixing the problem. And so, um, yeah, the pressure's on and clearly just by Tanner's tone during that whole interview. Uh, he's feeling it, and they need a good performance against a beat up, kind of just bad Purdue offense right now in the worst way. Well, the
4: the frustrating thing is, the, against Minnesota they got gashed from the ground. And then against Indiana they get they get gashed through the air. I mean they could not they could not slow down that passing attack, um, which wasn't you know it wasn't like they were throwing it deep. I mean it was just kind of all a perimeter quick passing attack, but they just could not stop it when they and especially when they needed to and and part of the reason is they don't have a pass rush they have zero pass rush I don't, and i don't know you know, if it's just one of those deals where they, I mean, obviously they don't have uh, anybody on the team that you really fear as a pass rusher, but, you know, it's also, I think, difficult for them to to draw up blitzes to get home uh, to to the quarterback too. I mean, it's it's a difficult spot to be in, but you know, during the bye week, they they worked on stopping the run and and being sound and and stopping the run. And then all of a sudden you go out and, and Indiana picks you apart and kudos to Indiana. I mean, they had Nebraska schemed very, very well, um, and, and they took advantage of of their you know lack of athleticism, especially in the the uh, linebacker uh, you know position group. There, I, I think quite a bit. But um, that's the frustrating thing: is one week it's the ground, next week it's through the air.
2: Yeah, I thought when you look at it, guys, the the way Indiana attacked Nebraska, they just personneled them. You know, Nebraska typically when you're th- Forcing teams in the third and sixth and longer, it's a passing down. And you substitute in kind of nickel and dime personnel packages. And Indiana, um, you know, recognize that Nebraska is keeping four linebackers on the field. And, and you can say, oh, JoJo, JoJo Doman's a linebacker. He's, he's a nickel. They call him by trait. But he's still a linebacker. He's 235 pounds. He's not a, a true defensive back. And he does a really good job. I'm not saying he doesn't. But it, you know, I think Indiana's like, all right, if you're, you're going to keep Colin Miller and Muhammad Berry and Will Honus on the field too, uh, we're, we're going to go at it. And and we're going to make those guys make plays. They targeted linebackers in coverage 15 times in that game. Over half or around half of the passing yards Indiana had were targeted towards Nebraska's linebackers. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Jeff Brom, who Jeff Brom knows a lot about offense and a lot about throwing the football um, – I mean, you have to think they're going to do the exact same thing to Nebraska or try to attack the linebackers on these short control throws. Now give Wamp a Womp failure a lot of credit. That dude can play. I mean, he had a Troy Edwards, Louisiana Tech type of showing almost in Memorial Stadium with 14 catches this past Saturday. I don't know if they have that quite of talent, Robin, but David Bell's a pretty good receiver, and maybe, maybe Rondell Moore comes back.
3: Well, I think the most frustrating thing about that Indiana game was Nebraska's seeming unwillingness to make adjustments and to change their personnel and add another defensive back and stick with those two linebacker looks. And yeah, I know they continue to insist that they don't want to take JoJo Doman off the field because they view him just as much of a defensive back. But uh, it's one thing to leave him out there, it's another thing to leave him out there in single coverage against Indiana's best wide receiver in the slot and just let him go to town uh, in one on one mismatch. Uh, I mean, that is frustrating. And um, I think that's like what irked fans the most was everyone could see what Indiana was doing and Nebraska did little to anything to try and adjust to it. And I mean, that's where it, kind of that heat comes on the coaches where sure players are missing tackles and maybe there's some mental errors going on, but you're also doing yourself not many favors by uh, continuing to bang your head against the wall and expecting things to change. So, um, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, they call it a copycat league for a reason. I would expect Purdue to come out with a very similar game plan, especially uh, that they're one of the worst rushing teams in all of college football. So you don't really have to account for that much, but those linebackers have to pick up their play. If they're going to be on the field that much, You better start executing Uh, and you're going to be matched up in one-on-one situations that you're going to have to win because not only is there David Bell, but um, the Hopkins, the tight end, he's a sneaky good tight end that is going to cause some problems uh, for those linebackers. If it's one-on-one situation. So, um, the challenge is going to be on not only that defense, but particularly that linebacking group, um, especially if they're going to be, you know, given that level of workload um, and not, you know, not making adjustments to help them out with more defensive back packages.
4: And I think you'd also like to see some better play out of the cornerbacks. Um, you know, they de- they definitely did not have their a great day against Indiana. Um, and the curious thing about that too is. You know, there's third and short or third and medium uh, downs, and they're playing eight eight yards off the ball uh, or eight yards off the receiver, giving them a big old wide cushion, especially when Indiana was, was doing those short perimeter, uh, you know, passes quick game. And so, you know, that's, that's something I think Nebraska definitely has to be willing to – to take a look at that and, and, you know, whether it's playing press man or, or whatever, getting up and, and challenging those receivers, especially if, you, if you're if you not going to get home with a pass rush or lack of pass rush, you better try to throw off the timing on, on those receivers or do something to give yourself a chance. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what type of adjustments, if any, we see this weekend in West Lafayette.
2: Well, we got to go to break here, but, you know, pass rush was a big problem as well. Nebraska just didn't get to quarterbacks – Uh, With their front four, and you know the injury to Darian Daniels, don't underestimate what that did to Nebraska's defense. He only played five plays against Indiana. Now he told he told us he's good to go this week. We'll see, Uh, but not having Darian Daniels caused them to really shift and move around bodies on that defensive line, and he commanded so much respect from opposing offensive lines that I think it put more pressure on. You know, Khalil and Carlos and Ben Stilley and other guys to come in and make plays and they weren't winning up front and they were having a hard time without their emotional spark plug leader on the field. All right, when we come back, House uh, Line intern Grace Harmon will join us in studio. We'll take your questions in the mailbag. Let me tell you, if it's anything like our chat on Tuesday, there's going to be a lot of questions for us this week. So uh, you're listening here to the House Line Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: But I want guys that live and die for it and want to be great and are tough. I don't want guys that go out in Minnesota with hoodies on and everything for warm-ups. Th- that just says to me that just okay is enough. You know, I'm a little cold, so I'm going to come ha- out here like that. You'd got ridiculed or beat up when I was playing if you did that. we got to keep getting tougher. We
2: here, Welcome back here on the Husker Online Show. That was... Scott Frost, um, you know, throwing back some old 90s stories here uh, about guys wearing their hooded sweatshirts at uh, Minnesota. And I'll tell you, Robin's going to be on full hoodie watch during pregame warm ups.
3: Yes, I'll make a list of anyone who dares wear long sleeves during pregame warm ups. He's in a hoodie. He's in a hoodie. Yep. <laughs>
2: uh, all right, well, it's time for the mailbag. Grace Harmon in studio. Grace, what do you have to lead us
3: off? All right, the first one I got for you is what position group on both offense and defense needs to step up for the season to end on a high note?
2: Uh, offensively, it's Adrian Martinez, I think, in general. I mean, they're going to put a lot of stock on him to carry this team down the stretch for Nebraska, um, and, and he has to do it. I mean, the other guys have proven they can play. They haven't won games with Noah Vedrill starting, uh, but they've shown they can move the offense um, the position group for me on defense would be linebackers. I, d- I just think that group has been a real struggle as far as just doing the little things uh, correctly.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can go across the board with offense. Uh, but for me, it, it starts with the offensive line. I don't think – I mean, that that group plays better. Everybody else looks better. Um, obviously, more wide receivers, that's been a storyline all season. They they could step up. Um, but, you know, I think it starts and has started all year long with the offensive line. So hopefully that continues to improve. Defense, yeah. I, I got to go linebacker as well. I mean, that's the kind of the, the elephant in the room right now, especially with coming off that Indiana game was, um, you know, the depth I think was exposed a little bit. And again, you know, they're being asked to do a lot. And so, you know, they, they need to answer the call much better than they did a week ago for the season to, to get any better.
4: Yeah, I think offensive line, um, you know, I'm in total agreement there with you. But um, and then and defensively, the linebackers, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're going to see any giant jumps, though, in those two groups. I think they kind of are what they are. Although I will say I, I do think the offensive line has played a little bit better. I think we have seen some growth out of Cameron Juergens. Uh, the snaps at least have been better or gotten way more consistent. So that's definitely encouraging.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Grace Harmon. All right, looking ahead to next fall camp, do you think there will be a legitimate battle at quarterback? Man, I think a lot would have to happen. I mean, this staff is so all in with Adrian Martinez. He's their guy, he's yeah. a captain. Um, I mean, I think you'd really be risking a lot at that point. I mean, it, it would have to be injury related or, you know, th- more is going to have to happen. He, and he's got four games left to kind of uh, reestablish himself. But, um, to say that Noah Vedral and McCaffrey today are better than Martinez, I mean, I don't think they are. I mean, I, I know they showed some flashes, but Martinez's total body of work to me is still better.
3: Yeah, and I don't think it's a question of who's going to be the starter for the opener. But if Martinez continues to struggle and um, you know looks like the player who was hesitant and just a step slower than we remember him, uh, you know. He might have to force their hand a little bit, especially when you have options like they do behind him. I mean, uh, Luke McCaffrey continues to develop at the rate he's been developing. He's going to make it hard for this coaching staff not to at least reevaluate the situation if Martinez continues to struggle. But that's the big thing. It's, it's all if Martinez struggles. If he is the type of quarterback that this staff firmly and truly believes that he is, uh, that's not a question. He will be the starter, and he'll be the starter until the day he leaves Nebraska. It's definitely going to be
4: interesting. Um, I think the, the biggest competition is going to be for that backup role. Uh, as long as, like, like you said, Robin, if Adrian Martinez is what, what we think he is, what the coaching staff thinks he is. But that backup position um, is going to be really, really intriguing uh, next spring and then obviously next fall.
3: So Frost has said in the past he wants to run a lot of different groups to give guys more reps. Have they been doing that? And if so, will we start seeing more guys play?
2: I think during times of the year like August and and spring ball, you know, you can run more reps with more guys in different stations and situations. Uh, but during the season, um, you know, you can really only effectively run two huddles or, or two units at one time. And I, I know they give the number two reps more reps than they normally. Uh, would have gotten in the past um, with past coaches here, but this fantasy that people think, oh, they can do it like Osborne did, where there was like literally I think three or four units like going four at going. one time. I mean, I mean, I, it's just not realistic, and people just have to understand that it's just not going to ever be like that. But they're going to try to keep giving more and more guys reps. Um and and there, yeah, obviously you need scout teams as well.
3: Yeah, I mean at this point they can rep them all they want in practice, but I'll believe it when I see it. As far as those guys actually playing in games, you know, the guys have been close for uh, four months now and have haven't, haven't even sniffed the field yet come game day. So uh, I, I I know that they're they're repping guys like Darian Chase and Damari in Houston, uh, Troy Walters on Wednesday mentioned those guys. The guys that have been. Uh, repping against the actual defense, but they're going to redshirt this year and they're not going to play. So um, practice reps and game reps are two completely different stories. Yeah. Ramir Johnson's another guy that's been going against the number one defense.
4: I think what it is, is there's certain periods during practice where there's a lot of different stations or a lot of guys getting reps, but it's not like the old days where it's all practice long. You've got four stations and three units would get like
2: 120 reps.
4: Yeah. It's just not this. You can't do that these days
2: all right you got time for two more grace
3: all right do you have any thoughts on miles jones entering the transfer portal maybe why he didn't really see the field much
2: you know I, i just think i wrote about it this week that that transition class of 18 is what it is i mean they had they signed 20 guys that they knew for only a couple of weeks And I always uh, I use this analogy. It's like going to Vegas and meeting a girl and getting married in one weekend. And then all of a sudden, about five, six months later, you find out a lot of things about the girl you didn't know. Um, And I think with recruiting, you know, on a transition class, it's the same way. You know, you, you fall in love with certain qualities of the player, but you're you have a gun to your head to fill a class and. We've learned history has told us the transition classes rarely work. Mike Riley actually had a pretty good transition class, but a lot of those were Bo Pelini holdovers um, that stayed on board. And Charlton Warren played a big factor before he left to keep a lot of those guys. Um, and that, and then he left like right after signing day. But um, it, it's, it's tough to do that with transition classes.
3: Yeah, you would just you would assume that if Miles Jones was good enough to play, he would have played, um, and clearly the staff didn't see enough from him in practice to even get opportunities to touch the football. So while we as fans and media didn't ever get a chance to see what Miles Jones could truly do, I think the staff saw what they needed to see, and I think the writing was on the wall that – you know, Miles just wasn't going to fit here, and he'll probably find greener pastures somewhere else and best luck to him.
4: Yeah, the, the strange thing is, though, is you heard about him getting reps in practice. You heard about him being close. I know Miles is a good kid. Miles is a smart kid. Um, and so it's he's not leaving because he wasn't you know, he was a screw-up or anything like that. I just, I think he decided that he wanted to go and try and find an opportunity to get on the football field.
2: All right, last question.
3: All right, what's the funniest or strangest recruiting visit story you can tell us about someone who's visited Nebraska? Nate, you can
2: go first on this one because you've got the best stories oh, I boy. know.
4: Um, so I, I think one of the better ones was Ashley Palmer, who's a junior college uh, recruit, I think out of Compton Community College. Ended up going to Ole Miss, but when he came in on his visit, he, uh, he had a very, very good time, uh, and on Sunday, when uh, we had have breakfast at that time, it was at the <laughs> Embassy Suites, um, you know, I would get there very early, and I would do wake-ups, wake-up calls to all the recruits, and I called his room probably 20, 30 times, nothing, and so went up to this room, knocked on the door, nothing, I finally had to get the manager uh, uh, and a security guard to let me in, and the shower was running. There was glass on the floor, uh, blood <laughs> on the floor. Uh, picture had fallen off the wall, uh, and, and he uh, he was half in the bathroom, half out of the bathroom, with sh- covered up in sheets. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm in there, it's like six 7, seven, o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've got a situation on my hands. And so I helped, I helped Ashley Palmer, uh, kind of get cleaned up and ready to go down, down to the uh, the breakfast and uh, he he finally came down with some sunglasses on <laughs> didn't say a whole lot um, like I said he ended up going to Ole Miss played in the NFL for quite a few years uh, but so I'm I'm not sure if you if he remembers that but I definitely do wow no story I have is going to even
3: come close to that go ahead Sean
2: I you know one and Nate actually I think might have told me this story but Ray Maluga um, remember that he's an NFL longtime linebacker. He ordered uh, a bunch of adult movies to his room, <laughs> and and they um, they they stuck the incidentals bill with him to him at the end, and it was like hundreds of dollars. And they, they waived it because I think they were supposed to have the movies turned off. They're but,
4: supposed to have all the movies turned off and all the recruits But room. just some
2: of the stuff, that, I mean, a lot of these kids don't ever get to travel and eat like that and the amenities and the luxuries of <laughs> the travel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying that was a luxury, but, um, it, you know, you, you see some weird stuff.
3: Yeah, so with basketball, uh, I don't have anything close to that, but like the – the funniest thing I remember is it was a football game and there was a bunch of kids from Oklahoma uh, who weren't all that accustomed to cold. And when they're standing on the sideline, you know, written ready to you know, just do their little pregame sideline thing. And uh, it was so cold that like, they literally wanted to go back. Like they didn't want to stay for the football game because they don't care about football. But luckily, you know, me being the, uh, you know, program supporter that I am, I was standing next to one of the sideline uh, heating units and I waved to one of the coaches I was like, Hey, Bring them over here. And I got them a station right in front of the heater that probably saved the visit. So uh, you're welcome. They didn't get any of those recruits, but at least I, I made their day better.
2: All right. Well, we got a little story time there for you. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's finding the right guy. You know, we don't want to just take the 10th, the tenth- best juco kid that you could get a high school kid you know that's number three on your board or vice versa you know we want to really do well uh, and finish up strong in recruiting I think we got a really good start to it and uh, you just got to grind and and, uh, you know finish to the end and work your butt off to get the right kids here that love football that want to come here and help us get this thing turned around because we will get it turned around.
2: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Ryan Hell talking about Nebraska's plan for junior college recruiting. They have a bye week after Saturday's game at Purdue, so the Husker staff will go out and do some recruiting. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Kugler Vision and Nate Klaus. You're going to put that LASIK eye surgery to to work this week, driving out to Wichita and um, some other late-night road driving and uh, football action.
4: Yeah, getting out to Wichita, Independence, uh, putting that to use. And the thing about – LASIK is, uh, you know, there is a procedure for you. Over seven different procedures that Kugler Vision does uh, depending on what your your ailment is with with your eye with your vision. Um and, and the easy way to go and see what works for you is to go to LASIKOmaha.com Um and the thing that I learned was that in five minutes they can have it corrected for you. Uh, for both eyes. Uh, it only took me five minutes and now I don't have to wear glasses or contacts anymore. So uh, get to LASIKOmaha.com.
2: All right let's talk junior college recruiting Nate. First of all, you are going to be at AlexCon the game we we like to send you out to as many of the commit games as possible and um, we wanted to do a drivable game from Lincoln and we looked at a couple options Um, unfortunately Nash Hutmacher's season just ended they got knocked out of the playoffs but you'll go down to Wichita and and do a doubleheader high school game on Friday Uh, but what's going to bring you to an Independence Juco game on Saturday?
4: Well, the the big name at Independence uh, is Dre Butler. The defensive lineman could play D end, could be could move inside. Um, you know, he's six four, six five, two hundred and eighty, two hundred and ninety pounds, and can can actually rush the passer. I mean, he he's got uh, I think he's got close to double digit sacks on the season. So and he has blown up lately. Nebraska offered him about a week or two ago. Um, and just here over the last few days, he's gotten Oklahoma, Alabama, a handful of really, really big offers. So uh, so that's one guy at Independence. I think you know, Nebraska is keeping an eye on a handful of others there, but they're playing Highland Community College as well, uh, where Keem Green came from. Um, you know, Travis Geiger is another defensive lineman at, at Highland. Brian George is the cornerback that they've offered there. Uh, I know that they're keeping an eye on a couple linebackers, a couple other prospects at Highland. So there's going to be about four or five guys at least that either have offers from Nebraska or that Nebraska is really, um, you know, could be close to offering. So I, I think that it should be a really good matchup there uh, at, uh, at Dream U, uh, their Independence Community College. No J.B., no JB, no, no, no Jason Brown. Uh, so, so, no, probably a lot less drama uh, at the game <laughs> this weekend. But uh, nonetheless, should be should be pretty interesting to be done. God, that was
2: some good last chance to use with him on there. I mean, just well, yeah. I mean, he was made for
4: he was made for that TV show. Now,
2: anyway. you they're gonna be there doing like a a, a separate deal at this game, maybe or maybe maybe there's,
4: there's a chance that that they could. You know, they're right now they're out in California shooting that and uh, season five yeah season five so there's a chance that they might still have somebody out there I'm not I'm not 100% on that
2: now with Nebraska Nate this is a really popular question especially when seasons tend to go not south but struggle at key areas where do you turn to in the JUCOs and how many guys do you go JUCO Um, Nebraska right now has not correct me if I'm wrong they have not brought in a JUCO player in for an official visitor yet no um but that typically happens in the later November Wisconsin and Iowa might be your Juco target or two game how many Jucos realistically do you think this staff would take when they can maybe only take about 23 in this class
4: I take that back Uh, Omar Manning has taken an official visit he took it in the summertime uh, and he's the the junior college wide receiver out of Kilgore uh, down in Texas and Um, And I think he's like the number three overall uh, Juco receiver in the country in terms of yardage on the season. So he's he's having a great year. Um, You know, overall, I'd be surprised if they brought in and tried to sign more than three. Um I, I don't I don't think that necessarily fits this what the staff wants to do. I think ideally they want to build this program the right way, not with quick a bunch of quick. And three's fixes. a lot. And three, yeah. It seems like I mean, a lot right now, at least. Yeah, at least right now. Um I think when I think of a lot of JUCOs, I think anything more than like five or six um you know he callahan took like eight one year there's one year where he took about eight you know and the you know i always think about ron prince at k-state you know he he had a couple years where he's charlie weiss yeah yeah taking like 12 13 14 or more juco's that's now that's when you get into a cycle uh that you just cannot get out of that's a bad culture yeah that's a bad culture but i think if, if you bring in two or three uh i think that's i think that's a really good number um, you know, and the, I think the bigger question is what positions, uh, obviously we know they want a wide receiver, uh, with Omar Manning, who's big, a big bodied guy, six, three, six, four, 220 pounds. Um, you know, but they, they could use help on the offensive line. They could help use help on the D line. Um, you know, they've offered some, some defensive backs and Ryan held said, you know, it's best, you know, whoever can help our team. And so, um, the, the interesting thing is going to be is, okay, well, who are they going to decide are the guys that they want to try and bring in that, that they think can help this team and, and play immediately to give them a boost at certain spots.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting. Nate, what, what do you know about the bye week? I know the staff, they'll be off for a second bye week. Um, essentially every two out out of seven or one out of seven years, you get double buys based on the number of Saturdays and weekends between Thanksgiving and Labor Day. This is one of them. Um, That means extra days on the road. Do you get a sense on what the game plan is going to be over the bye week?
4: So the game plan for the first bye week was getting out and seeing their commits, seeing a lot of their top targets that it had already visited. And I think for the second week it's going to be getting out and seeing a bunch of their top underclass targets or guys, underclassmen, that, that I think that uh, they've been keeping an eye on, that they could be close to offering. They may just need to see an in-person evaluation before they go ahead and pull the trigger. And so, um, you know, I, I, would, I would think that we could hear – you know about a coach, maybe Chenander or somebody, going out to see T.J. Bowlers, the the four-star outside linebacker out of Iowa, and he was
2: at the game this past weekend. It,
4: it, and that was the second time that he's been on campus, uh, you know, so far this fall, and I think maybe the fourth or fifth time overall that he's been on campus. So he's the number one player in the state of Iowa for 2021. So I would be shocked if they didn't go out and see him, and um, and it's going to be those types of targets that they're going to be going out now the entire staff essentially was out in the first bye week, and so they they did use up a lot of their in-season evaluation. So I don't know if we're going to hear about, you know, the entire staff scattering out. Um, you know, and go, hitting the road for the second bye week, but certainly there's going to be some high valued underclass targets and probably some Juco targets that they go out and see. And, uh, and I have a feeling we're going to hear and see a lot of new offers uh, going out there during that week.
2: And you'll see Alex Kahn, Nate. Um, what are you expecting to see at his game?
4: Well, first of all, Derby's undefeated. They've got a great, great team this year. And, and they're. I mean, that's a program that's been rolling uh, at a high level for a long time. And and he's, play, he's played a lot of really good football for them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to getting out there and, and seeing how he operates, especially as an offensive tackle. I think Nebraska, um, you know, once he gets on campus, he could have opportunity to play tackle or inside. And uh, and I want to get a better feel for maybe where he projects best at the next level.
2: All right, Nate and Greg will be down in Kansas watching football. Robin and I will be out in West Lafayette. So make sure you are logged on to HuskerOnline.com as We will have you covered on everything here uh, this weekend heading into the bye week.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.